0: Hello everybody and welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm Jason Schulman. We've got a great show for you today. My guest is Diana L. Linden, an art historian based in Claremont, California. Here to talk about her new book, Ben Shahn's New Deal Murals, Jewish Identity in the American Scene, published in 2015 by Wayne State University Press. Diana, welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies. Thank you. So Diana, it's great to have you on the show. I'm familiar with the New Deal, but uh, what is the New Deal Arts Project, and specifically, what what is the National Mural Program?
1: Okay, Um, during the 1930s, you know that the New Deal, FDR, and the government decided that we needed to put everyone back. Well, we needed to put people back to work. And so projects were put together to build schools, post offices, our infrastructure, and inspired by the Mexican mural movement of Diego Rivera, Jose Clemente Orozco, and others, they decided that artists had a lot to offer society as well and that artists could be put to work making murals for post offices, for schools, for community centers. There were also artists' um, workshops, easel paintings. But I think of all the programs that were done under the New Deal Arts Projects, it's the murals that people know the best, and it's the murals where Ben Sean worked.
0: Great. So who who was Ben Sean?
1: Ben Sean was... A, Lithuanian-born immigrant, born in 1898, came over in 1906 at age eight. He was a New York City Jewish immigrant, secular Jew, leftist. He became famous for his images protesting the execution of Sacco and Vanzetti. He was very political, very much on the left, very passionate. He was what we called a realist artist in that he painted figurative works, the human body, the human emotions, the human scene, and he wanted his paintings to stir people into political action. He was really fortunate in that he was an assistant to the great Mexican muralist Diego Rivera on murals for Rockefeller Center that were commissioned by Nelson Rockefeller, and you're in New York and you've never seen them because Rockefeller had them destroyed because Diego included the head of Lenin in the paintings that were going to be in Rockefeller Center. Um, but because of working for Rivera, Ben Benchon was one of the few deal artists who knew the art of fresco as it went back to the Italian Renaissance. He made murals, he made paintings, he was a photographer. In the 50s, he made mosaics for synagogues. He was a printmaker, a poster maker, um, and an easel painter throughout his life. He died in 1968 and was working right up to the end.
0: So it's the 1930s and you know, FDR wants to put people to work. They... Um, found this mural program to put artists to work in public spaces. Um, How did a Lithuanian-born leftist immigrant Jewish guy, I assume from New York, who grew up in New York, uh, become so involved?
1: He wasn't the exception at this time. In the 1930s, the 1930s New Deal art programs were a great equalizer. We see more artists of color, more women artists, more immigrant artists, Um, I heard someone once describe it as more artists with vowels in their last names have an opportunity to apply. So they didn't have to go to all the academies and the elite training and clubs that wouldn't have accepted them anyway. They were talented. They could apply. A lot of these competitions were anonymous. And artists were judging other artists. These were anonymous competition. And the spirit of these immigrant leftist artists, you know, they had to tone down their politics a bit to get accepted, uh, get their commissions accepted. But they were in the spirit of the times. They were pro-labor. They were Um, pro the working person, they were pro um, the American uh, spirit and so they really were capturing the time and were able to have opportunities that were not for the New Deal they wouldn't have had.
0: You say that Sean was a socially engaged artist. What were some of the themes or motifs of his work?
1: Well, this is not mural, But he did a 23 gouache, which is a kind of watercolor series that announced him as an artist. It was in 1931-32, and it's called The Passion of Sacco and Vanzetti. And the use of the term passion, as in the passion of Christ, was very um, purposeful. In terms of, you know, it's pulling on this idea of a great tragedy. Um, He also did one on the labor leader, Tom Mooney. Then in terms of murals, he did one about Jewish immigration and labor unions. He did one about um, the First Amendment and, and the Statue of Liberty and immigration. He did one inspired by the workers of America and inspired by Walt Whitman. He did another one on Social Security, and then if you jump to the 1960s, he's doing prints and graphic images of civil rights leaders.
0: How did you get? How did you get interested in Sean? Um, you know what's been written about him, and what did you feel was uh, missing?
1: You know, I try to think about how I first heard about him. And I don't know the first point where I knew about him, but I know when I was interested in him, it goes back to when I was college, which was a while ago, and he was not being taught. And he was not being taught in my American art courses because this was in the time when all you were taught were abstract artists and abstract expressionism, and that art was apolitical. And here I became interested in this political, realist, figurative artist. And at the time, I was really interested in issues of labor history. And if you want to do art and you want to do art history and you want to do labor history, you fall upon Ben Shan at some time. And he was my senior thesis. And then years later, I'm looking for a dissertation topic. And I came back to Ben shahn's murals. Um... I honestly, part of it was I needed something very pragmatic. I lived and worked in Brooklyn um, and went to grad school at CUNY, the grad center. And everything was in, within a train ride for me to see. And I'd always been really fascinated and passionate about murals. I loved the idea that no one can own a mural. It's for the public to own. I loved the idea that murals look like us. It's not like if you're, you know, studying 18th century French art and everyone is a king or queen or royalty. And I also like the idea that you don't have to go to a museum and go by guards and check your bag and feel uncomfortable. You can just go to the post office. And I think that Ben Sean of our New Deal muralist is the finest muralist. And he's got this great connection to Diego Rivera. So it just kind of all fell together. And no one, in putting together my book, no one has ever written about all his murals. And no one had ever touched the issue of Jewish secular political identity. So there was a real ripe area that came together as a book.
0: So tell us a little bit about his uh, American Jewish identity. Uh, First of all, would he have considered himself a Jewish artist?
1: No, he would have hated that. And that's common of... A lot of artists we we now call Jewish artists. If you go to the Jewish Museum or see, first off, most artists I should say hate labels. They only want to know be known by formal terms as an abstract artist or part of the New York School. So it's not that he's rejecting the term Jewish artist per se. He just doesn't want any label at all. That's not an art label. Um. And that's the same Jacob Lawrence hated to be called an African-American artist. You just see this constantly. He didn't think he he did not like the term Jewish artist. He wrote about this. We consider him now a Jewish artist in terms of he was a secular Jewish artist. He engages. I write about how he engaged secular issues and secular identity. in the 30s and early 40s, later in life, um, there's a great art historian, Matthew Begiel, who said he traded Marx for Moses and starts doing religious imagery, but I don't get into that.
0: What do we know about his social circle? You mentioned Diego Rivera, he traveled through Italy in the 1920s. Uh, how did his, the people that he met and the associated with sort of impact his work?
1: I think the travels in Italy were so important to him, you know, being exposed to not necessarily living artists, but pe- the work of artists Italian Renaissance like Giotto, um the great Italian masters. He was friends with um the Sawyer brothers, um with Jacob Lawrence, who did the Great Migration of the Negro series. he associated it with like-minded political leftist artists, Jewish and non-Jewish.
0: So let's talk about Chapter 1, uh, New York and the Great Depression. Uh, how did the Great Depression impact uh, the type of art that was called for, that people, um, you know, felt uh, resonated with them?
1: Okay. Um, it hit... Ben Sean profoundly. Um, it's as if the circumstances that he, he, I don't want to say he benefited, that's the wrong term, but he was the right artist for that really tragic time because he was extremely human oriented, empathetic, and socially concerned. And so he's going out first with a camera. And then later he's making prints and he's making these murals and easel paintings. And he's showing scenes of destitution on the Lower East Side and um, throughout Harlem in photographs. And he's showing bread lines and he's painting murals that are imploring for Social Security Um you know i've read a lot of interviews with artists who worked in the 1930s and the enormity of the tragedy and the anger at the government and the sense that through the left the time was going to change and the world was going to change and the artists were central to this change they had an incredible sense of the mission and Prior to that, art was only for the elite. Art was for the church or for the state or for the kings and queens. And artists were a select few and they were set aside by society. And now artists had a part in greater society. And they didn't consider themselves, you know, off in their studios, they considered themselves workers. And in fact, artists unionized, there was something called the Artists Union, and they saw themselves as militant art workers.
0: The book has a lot of colorful images, um, and obviously we can't uh, see them on a on a podcast, but I hope people will, will check it out um, so that they can see what we're talking about. But maybe you can help us understand, describe to us um, the untitled fresco for the New Jersey homesteads. Um, what, what was it, um, what did Sean envision, uh, and, and what did it look like?
1: I'm glad you, I'm very glad, of course, as an art historian, you're mentioning the images. In fact, there's over 60 color images. majority of the images of the murals have never been reproduced before, or they've never been shown in color, so it's a real visual treat. Um, the New Jersey mur- mural is perhaps its finest mural. It's horizontal. Um, it's 48 feet wide, 12 feet high. It's monumental. It is divided in three sections, and he sub subdivided into three sections, which were um, kind of before the present and the future. But he also talked about it as immigration and unionization and the future. And he envisioned People arriving at Ellis Island as groups of immigrants, being organized and unionized, and then becoming better workers, being benefited by the New Deal, living in New Deal housing cooperatives. And Roosevelt, New Jersey was a New Deal housing cooperative, and Ben Sean lived there with his second family.
0: Maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, the, how Sean viewed the mural um, as a secularization of the Passover story. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, if you buy my theory, um, he what this story is, I mean, we talk about the great exodus and the second great exodus or the mass immigration of Jews from 1880 to 1924 when the U.S. put in the Johnson-Reed Act which stopped, pretty much, immigration to the U.S. So he's taking these characters, and instead of Jews going through the desert, we have Jews coming over from Ellis Island, and this movement as if seeking freedom, which is what Jews were seeking here in America. And Sean works with his, his works, when you start looking at other New Deal muralists, and there are a lot of bad, bad New Deal murals. He works with an aesthetic of montage. He breaks up these murals. He's got time changes. It doesn't go chronologically. It'll go 1933 to 1927, back to 19th century. So there's a sense of movement and change, which is kind of the sense of a diaspora culture. And I think that it mimics uh, the idea of passage to freedom and the whole idea of the Passover story.
0: And so what happened with the homesteads? It didn't end up being sort of a happy ending to the story, right?
1: No, it wasn't. I guess I should say the Jersey homesteads um, was this uh, social experiment funded by the US government to house socialist Jewish garment workers who were unemployed because of the great depression It was all the buildings were Bauhaus influenced the architect was a then unknown now celebrate Louis Kahn and it was to have factories and farms Um, and it was that they would be totally self-sufficient and it was a total failure because they could these were garment workers they did not know how to farm they knew how to sew garments Um, but it became kind of an artist community. It's still in existence today. There's about 900 families. Um, It's really sad sometimes The new people who move in just want it to look like an everyday suburb so they do things like put aluminum siding on top of this gorgeous Bauhaus buildings and pitched roofs with Santa Clauses on top. So they've changed the original form and function of the buildings. But you can just show up and go into what is now the school and see this incredible mural, and they're very proud of it.
0: The next case study in the book looks at the Bronx Central Post Office. Uh, tell us a little bit about the mural that, uh, that Sean created for, for that uh, public space.
1: This was a closed competition, meaning that Ben Sean sent in his designs anonymously. There were 13 individual panels. So in the Jersey homestead, it was this wide 48-foot expanse. These were set apart by architectural structures, so he couldn't do a continuous narrative. And he was inspired by the great poet Walt Whitman and his poem, I Hear America Singing. And he decided in his Words, ben Sean decided to um, teach those chauvinistic New Yorkers who don't know anything beyond New York what work was like. So he doesn't have any of the industries of New York City, no garment workers, um, and he focuses on industry, technology, and agriculture throughout the U.S. and some of this is based on photographs he took in the Midwest and in the South for the Farm Security Administration. That was another New Deal program. So it shows all of these figures are busily at work. They don't face you because they're too busy picking up, um, picking cotton, baling hay, spooling thread, um, working on cars to stop and look at you. There's a beautiful tawny color to all the images, which kind of works with the copper and tawny color of the building, and at center is this powerful panel of Walt Whitman, who looks like a combination of Karl Marx and Moses, pointing at a blackboard with lines of his poetry written out, and it's very hard for us today to think that Walt Whitman would be caused a quite a stir but the mural was almost canceled because the local Catholic archdiocese objected to the words of Whitman. They felt it was anti Christian, anti religion, and there was an organized letter writing campaign to stop Sean, to stop the mural. And ultimately Sean had a hard choice, um and he had to change the Whitman words. He still got Whitman up there, but he had to alter his original meaning. And so we talk so much today and we hear so much about censorship and government patronage. It goes way back to the 1930s. There's always been this kind of controversy, even with someone we don't think of controversial, perhaps, as uh, Walt Whitman or Ben Sean. Mm
0: -hmm. And then finally you look at uh, two... Two instances where you compare the St. Louis Post Office fresco proposal with the um, uh, First Amendment uh, mural in Queens, uh, the, the easel painting. Uh, maybe you can tell us sort of why you picked these two. Tell us a little bit about them. And this was in the late 1930s, so this is sort of a time of rising anti-Semitism, right? How, how did that affect Sean's uh, painting?
1: Well, there are little tu- there touches of His awareness of rising anti-Semitism in the Jersey Homestead's mural. It's the only mural in the whole of the New Deal mural projects that references Nazi Germany. It has a Nazi figure in it holding up signs in German that say, Germans beware, um, Jews not welcome here. And it has an image of Kristallnacht, as well as going back to the 19th century, a scene of a pogrom. Um... And in the Bronx controversy, he responds to the Catholic Church with the use of the word verboten, um, very purposely using German and this this word of censorship um, and stopping people. In the late 30s, um, he, so many Jews, and it was constant news in so many newspapers, Everett Lipschitz, has um, documented, were writing about the rising problems, the rise of Hitler, and what was happening to Jews, and Sean was aware of this. And the city of St. Louis put out a call for a mural proposal, a competition, this was, like, the biggest mural competition at the time. I think it carried a fee of $28,000, which covered all your supplies and your assistance, so you don't pocket all that money. That would have been unbelievable in the Great Depression. But... Um, They said they asked for murals that celebrated the local post office and the delivery of the mail, which is about as boring as you can think of and also just very myopic. Now, if Ben Sean wanted to play it safe, he would have just done the happy post mail, uh, postman delivering his mail on his rounds. But he had an idea that something more important needed to be addressed. So there were nine panels in this proposal, and he did sketches, and a couple of them were of scenes in Missouri and the mighty Mississippi. Then he does about four on the First Amendment tenants not at all requested in the proposal, uh, the call for ideas. And then he does these incredible two images, both called immigration, and they contrast within these these two panels, um, people arriving in America and fleeing war. Um, they're really two of the most charged images you see in the 1930s, and they're directly addressing what is happening in Europe and what had happened in the past to Jews in Europe as well, saying, we've been at this point before. We need immigration once again. And of course, people like Breckenridge Long and FDR's um, advisors are not helping the Jews. Internationally, no one is helping the Jews. And it's at this time that the SS St. Louis is going on its hopeless voyage coming, they hope, to the United States to transfer over uh, these stateless Jews who originally were from Germany, but get turned away and are sent back to Europe and distributed throughout several European countries. What I argue is that is not literally saying this is my response to the exact SS St. Louis, but it's his response to the lack of opportunity, the lack of immigration, the rise of Hitler. And what he does is he takes those nine panels. He was refused the competition. He was told by officials that his work this is kind of political speak or uh, government jargon. It contained too many political distractions and that wouldn't work in the Midwest. He was asked, invited to condense his mural and present it for a, state, uh, a post office in Queens, New York. He gets rid of the exact scenes of immigration. He condenses all the tenants of the First Amendment And at the center, he has the torch in the hand of the Statue of Liberty, of course, the symbol of immigration and of freedom. And even with that, he has to fight against officials because he writes out the words of the First Amendment and officials think that that's too didactic, that's too wordy, and Sean responds with, you know, I don't care. We have to know the importance of the First Amendment. We have to be taught and reminded how important it is to vote because the world is becoming so dangerous right now.
0: Well, Diane, we've taken up a lot of your time, so any parting thoughts you'd like to share, and uh, what are you working on next?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I have an... Just a couple of articles coming out, Um, one on the artist Haim Gross that will be coming out in Antiques Magazine, Um, a couple of articles, you know, I said I'm an artist art historian of American art, so I have things, I don't just work on Jewish artists, I have a couple unrelated articles coming out and um, promoting the book.
0: Great. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I want to thank you for being on the show today. The book is Ben Shahn's New Deal Murals, Jewish Identity in the American Scene, published in 2015 by Wayne State University Press. The author is Diana L. Linden. Thank you for listening, and check us out next time.